It was still. The only movement came from a beetle scuttling across the dusty ground, looking for shade. Shadows shortened as the Afghan sun crept higher. The cloudless blue sky shimmered. No one spoke. In the distance, the deep wook, wook, wook of the rotor blades began to change tone. A Chinook approached. Static on the wires, the tannoy crackled into life. Prepare for broadcast. All available medical personnel are to report to the emergency department. The order repeated. End of broadcast. One change from the well-rehearsed drill. The collecting of Wellington boots. Supplies of suede desert boots were low, following days of bloody discards. Plastic aprons, eye protection, latex-free gloves, all were donned. The wail of the siren grew. A battlefield ambulance sped from the helicopter landing site. The reception team waited. Inside the emergency department, resuscitation bays were allocated. Responsibilities understood. Everything proceeding with well-practiced, orderly haste. IED strike, Bay 1, triple amputee, tourniquets in place, peripheral access, IV fluids running, no pulse. Get on the chest, start compressions, one and two and three and four and. Prep the rapid blood infusion machine, two negative shock packs, tighten the tourniquets, stop that ooze, come on, come on, manage the catastrophic hemorrhage. In runs the blood, and slowly out again from torn, ragged stumps. Cardiac monitoring applied, electrical activity, no pulse. It's a hypovolemic arrest. More blood in, more blood out. Blood drips from the tables, across the floor, across the Wellington boots. We have a pulse and a blood pressure. Stabilise the casualty. OK, move into theatres. Operating Team 2. Today is Remembrance Day. But fewer and fewer of us have actual memories of conflict, loss and sacrifice. That was one of my memories from the most recent Afghan war. Right now, old and not so old soldiers, their friends and relatives are marching past, having queued for hours, being wheeled, in some cases, past the cenotaph. Its inscription, the glorious dead, not the glorious war or glorious victory. War is never glorious and victory often bitter when we reflect on such loss. Why should we remember? A week ago, All Souls was celebrated 
an opportunity to remember loved ones who have passed. A service full of emotion, full of memories, both happy and sad. An, an event attended by many who otherwise would rarely come to St Luke's, but come nonetheless, because remembering is important. Usually at work, I'm dressed rather differently. My East London hospital sometimes re resembles an Afghan war zone, but just with fewer resources. Yeah. My patients are also very different. Many will be suffering with dementia, a horrible disease that is stripping them from their memories, slowly dismantling their past, demolishing their future and detaching them from the persons that they are. Memories are important to us. They connect us to our past. They influence our future. Memories enrich us and shape us. They change relationships and make us who we are. Without memories, we are changed, diminished. So why should we remember the armistice? Perhaps there is a need to pay a debt of gratitude to those who have died to protect our way of life. Remembrance brings communities together. But does it focus our remembrance only on those aspects of our shared past that we consider laudable? What of soldiers who have fought on our behalf in conflicts that we now regard as unjust? Certainly Vietnam, possibly Iraq. Do we feel uncomfortable remembering these? Cecily Faber comments that by remembering all events like these, we are helped to recognize the universal moral significance of all humans. Wars often reflect the worst that we're capable of doing to one another. If we fail to remember war, we fail to remember that which in us is capable of such wrongdoing. Remembering the horror of war focuses the moral requirement to not senselessly sacrifice life. In World War I, the power unleashed by modern war resulted in previously unimagined losses. Over nine million soldiers died from fighting. Over one million civilians died from military operations with another six million more dying from disease and starvation. Over 21 million were wounded with life-changing mental or physical injuries. These numbers are so great that they begin to lose their meaning. Growing up in a Bedfordshire village, we had a village war memorial and on it lists the names of men and boys from that village who failed to return from the Great War. Every Remembrance Sunday, the roll of names would be read, the surnames still held by many of the families in the congregation. In London, it is easier to become detached from our community or in the first place never quite
quite belong. I looked for a list of names of those lost from St. Luke's Parish. Perhaps there is one, but I couldn't find it. Those lost, however, from this area of Holloway are listed. The roll is seldom read, possibly because it would take too long. From this small area of London, 1,342 young men did not return. Albert Schweitzer says that soldiers' graves are the greatest preachers of peace. Despite all this, there is a moral reason for war. And I paraphrase John Stuart Mill, who says that war is an ugly thing, but not the most ugly. Thinking that nothing worse, that there is nothing worse than war, is much worse. While justice and injustice continue to battle for ascendancy in the affairs of humankind, humans must be willing, when needed, to do battle for one against the other. This conviction still encourages men and women to volunteer for service, even knowing, as Secret Sassoon wrote, that death will stand grieving in that field of war the unreturning army that was youth, the lesions who have suffered and are dust. How should we remember? How do we commemorate something of which most of us have no memory? Our reading today from Luke, words that are very familiar, said every Sunday during communion, he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This practice taken by Jesus from the commemoration of Passover and changed to commemorate his sacrifice is acted out by Christians worldwide. By doing this, something that occurred two millennia ago becomes contemporary. Its ancient significance has meaning and is felt by those taking part. It lives in the lives, imaginations and spirits of those taking part. And here in Britain annually, in the first two weeks of November, poppies are sold, worn proudly, displaying a bond between the living and the dead. And at the end of those two weeks, we have this, our national act of remembrance. It's repeated in churches, high streets, at town and village war memorials, keeping alive and relevant the sacrifices made by men and women in conflict. And the words we have just spoken are repeated at the going down of the sun and in the morning. We will remember them. Amen.